Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Silverstone review of the Winging It F1 podcast. I'm here with Adam Dickinson and Nigel Chu, and I am Freddie Coates. And what do you guys think after that sort of race of two halves? I mean, the start of it was a bit weird, and then the end of it was absolutely crazy. Adam, what do you think? Um, it wasn't really. Up until about lap 50, it wasn't a great race. I mean, there were two safety car incidents, but they didn't really create much switch up the order much and it kind of looked like Mercedes were out front Bottas was um he was staying in touch with Lewis but kind of as we now know that's because he was kind of pushing to the maximum whereas Lewis was saving a bit and um yeah so it kind of there wasn't too much doing up until that point I thought but just what an end you know it's kind of unique I can't think of any race that finished like that and it's spectacular he's finished on three wheels um, it's it's just incredible and I think it's a shame that fans weren't there to witness it because it would have been an absolutely brilliant atmosphere um, both to be there and kind of coming through the TV if the fans cheering him on to the end but yeah it's um, just what a finish really is the main memory of it Yeah it was, it was a very strange finish it was a bit like I think it was the 1982 or 1984 Monaco Grand Prix where yeah. five different leaders crashed <laughs> or something on the last two or three laps when, but before that, nothing happened. And yeah, it was a bit like that today. It was kind of crazy, really. Uh, yeah, Mercedes, I guess. Like I, I, I think many people thought, just like myself, oh, Mercedes is cruising outside and not pushing that hard. But it turns out they had the biggest problems with the tyres and they only just held on to the win. And why on earth Red Bull put an actual snap in that? I really don't know. Yeah, that seems to be the the heartbreak of of the of the top three, Verstappen pitting for a for a faster slap, despite Bottas already having had the puncture and there was the potential for Hamilton's puncture. I was I did also think that was a little bit strange. Um I think on that, I don't know, Christian Horner when they spoke to him afterwards, and I don't know how much this is kind of a deflection tactic, but he said they'd noticed grading on Max's as well. So they were kind of half worried about whether he, his would last the distance um, as well. So I don't know kind of how much he's kind of bigging that up so it doesn't feel like they lost a race so much. But, you know, I guess there is that element to um, to it. But kind of on the face of it, it did seem quite a strange decision where you've yeah. got a, a reward, potential reward of six points if you get the um, if you get the win over the one point, if you get the fastest mm. lap. Yeah, it was reminiscent also of the uh, 2017 British Grand Prix where both Ferraris got punctures in the closing stages of the race and put themselves essentially out of contention. Well, yeah, out of contention <laughs> for the, the podium positions. Um, but yeah, do we think, what do we think of, of the tyre blast? We, uh, if, you count, if you think Kvyat's crash at the beginning was also a tyre blast, which I, I do um, from what I've seen, um, do we think Pirelli are going to be coming under a lot of flack this week for um, Carlos Sainz as well, getting a tyre failure in the closing stages of the race, as well as the two marks. Nigel? I, I don't think they should, really, because if you see that your tyres tires might blow out, just pit, just pit again. It's that simple. You don't have to do it on a one-stop. Obviously, that is the quickest way nowadays. But, you know, 2012, 2011, they used to do three, even four pit stops. Yeah. So if you think... You know, your, your tyre is going to 
of a bunch of just pit again. So I don't, I don't, I think Pirelli will get some criticism. Uh, but for me, yeah, I, I think this is part, part, part of the game, really. Adam, do you have anything to add? Um, well, I think it'll, it depends how it goes. I can't really see there being too much criticism from this race. Um, because, yeah, it's kind of, I guess, more down to the teams. And I guess also people aren't really going to, I don't think people are going to mind as much because it happened to the Mercedes. <laughs> so I think people will be, oh, you know, it's created a good race. But I think it depends how they handle it now. If they go with the softer compounds, which they have said they'll do, and they were planning to run softer compounds next week, if they go with that and there's a lot more tyre blowouts, they'll get a lot of scrutiny there. So I think it kind of depends how it runs runs next week and whether we see a repeat or whether it's a one-off. Yeah, I think you're right. The one thing, yeah, I was just going to say, the one thing I would say is I don't really understand how they were literally doing fastest laps, three or four laps, before uh, Bottas and Hamilton had the tyre failures. So it, it was really weird because the, the tyres don't really drop off much. They kind of just stay at a constant and then they just suddenly... Blew out. Well, about 10 laps from the end, Bottas radioed saying he had blistering and he had vibrations. Um, not a yeah. fast spot or anything, but the, he was experiencing tyre wear. And we knew that. We've seen that quite a lot. Even though it's not that hot today in Silverstone, it was on Friday, obviously. Third holiday day in recorded history. Pace, in day. He still had the pace. But Verstappen was yeah. getting the fastest lap and was, he was matching the pace of Bottas. Verstappen had the fastest lap for the... For, um, a good few laps around that point and Bottas was dropping back off Hamilton by, I mean, he was keeping, he was managing the gap to Verstappen, which was the necessary part, but he wasn't managing a gap to Hamilton who, as Adam said earlier, had conserved his tyres a bit better. That's been a consistent weakness for Bottas is that his tyre wear has just been lacking ever so slightly in his control in comparison to Hamilton. Yes, that's mostly because he's in second place the majority of the time. So his car is going to get a little bit more beaten up in the dirty air. But the tyre wear is still the issue for Bottas. I think what's strange, though, is eight or nine years ago, you'd see the tyres drop off like, uh, drop off the pace like a lot, like seven, eight or eight yeah. seconds. Whereas nowadays, we don't really see that. So that's what kind of surprised me with the blowouts. We saw you know, the tyres didn't look in good shape. They still had reasonable, like, reason, reasonably good pace. So... Yeah, that's the only strange thing I would, or that's my only concern with the Pirelli tyres. It could just be that the t- that the drivers are, are, are managing the tyres and just staying at an even pace. But yeah, it, to me that is it's a bit weird that they don't drop off. There's a lot to look into with the tyre wear. If you look at sort of further down the midfield, in that you had sort of quite a late race resurgence from Renault with Esteban Ocon being behind Stroll for the majority of the race, but then Stroll sort of dipped back and Gasly being another one who came up through the field a bit and it sort of spoke to some cars that there was quite a lot of late race tyre wear on the hard tyres they all went on to them earlier than planned by about 10 laps or so because of the crash maybe five or six laps from for the soft runners and um, there was it seemed to be that some cars definitely experienced the tyre wear a lot more than others and that will be really very interesting to see next week yeah, I mean, it was around 2012. They kind of had a really built-in cliff. And was it the uh, Canadian Grand Prix? That yeah, they were kind of, 2010 you know, Canadian Grand Prix was just completely 
Yeah, the tyres were going off, and that was what Pirelli were tasked with. They said they went to Pirelli and said, "Make tyres that do this every race," and so they did. And then the 2013 British Grand Prix was dangerous. So, so there yeah, are so yeah, there are levels to it. I don't they, like blowouts, but I like a cliff. I think personally. Yeah, well, I feel like they try. They've kind of moved away from building in the cliff. Mm. For most of the hybrid area that I can remember. Um, I remember, I think it was a Malaysian Grand Prix where Kimi was kind of head of a train of about seven cars. He was like in the top five with a few laps to go and then it completely dropped out there. But they've kind of moved away from that technology in the rubber. So, yeah, I, it could just be a one-off or whatever. And, mm. you know, maybe it's kind of affecting, certainly affecting Mercedes more. Stroll as well kind of seemed to suffer at the end. So... Yeah, but it did, you know, lighten up the race at the end, liven up the race at the end. So mm. I guess six or half dozen of the other, unless you sign. Yeah. yeah. It, um, it did also bring in some pretty decent uh, performances to the forefront that would have made, wouldn't have gone on the ra- under the radar, but I think were rewarded quite well. I think Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen have been a cut above their teammates all weekend. Uh, Max Verstappen in second, Charles Leclerc in third in the Ferrari. What do we think of that, Nigel? Do you have anything to say on those two performances? Yeah, Verstappen again, just maximising what, what he's got really, taking 18 points. He's not too far behind Bottas in the championship now. I think Red Bull will be encouraged that they seem to have better pace than they, than they perhaps thought because I think many people were thinking coming into the weekend that Mercedes been well clear um, but I think Verstappen was within 10-11 seconds for, for most of the race uh, yeah he's mm. he must be so frustrated though, though that he's performing at, at, at his best yet yeah, he still can't get anywhere near Bottas and, and Hamilton so yeah I think, mm. I think Verstappen will be happy but he'll be really frustrated that he can't do any more really Adam do you have anything to say on, on those two? Um, I, d- I think Red Bull kind of they seem obviously happy with the result and they seemed happy with the qualifying yesterday um, but yeah I think he'll I don't know he's in a decent position compared to a lot of the other drivers on the grid who've fallen off specifically Leclerc who we'll talk about in a minute I imagine but kind of Leclerc's kind of signed this multi-year deal and is now running in the midfield and they're saying they're not going to be winning races until 2022 so you know he's not the worst position to be in in the grid um but i think you know for him as long as he's getting the most out of his car which he is doing at the moment you know i guess he won't be too disappointed with it yeah the the sort of the headline on on times on friday for the long run pace were from verstappen and um because it was pretty much on a par with the mercedes and that was in the really hot running, which we know from um, experience of the majority of the turbo hybrid era that Mercedes don't like the really hot conditions. And next week is, as well as the, the added softer tyres, we have forecast uh, kind of 30 plus degree heat across the UK pretty much for the whole weekend. So I think that will be another interesting point for Red Bull and we'll give them a little bit of hope but that they can maybe mix it a bit more on pace and a bit more on um, reliability with the Mercedes because the, the heat is what has been their Achilles heel in the past few years. 
Yeah, I think in general the race pace in qualifying, they Hamilton was a second ahead of Verstappen, and they kind of they seem to be a second ahead for a lot of the qualifying. Mm. But I think they are they are better at race pace, or whether whether it's just kind of Mercedes aren't relatively as good at race pace or whatever, but they are um, closer. But yeah, I th- I think the other mm. thing is that that was kind of the one of the advantages of that was tyre control and they don't that I mean I wasn't looking out for whether they used it today or not but I don't know kind of whether there's anything because that should have been an advantage for Mercedes and Lewis is normally very good at it anyway but you know I don't know whether that kind of came into it or whether that's something where they should have had even more of an advantage. I would have yeah. thought looking at it sorry nice no, the, the, the toe angles right. of the cars being sort of uh, manipulated by the the DAS, um, then I kind of think that would, based on my crude knowledge of all this technical <laughs> stuff, that it would sort of mess around with the tyres contact patch and actually wear them down a little bit more than they'd want, I'd have thought, because um, they'd be moving around a bit if they are in use. I mean, the safety car periods would be when they would use them the majority of the time, but I don't think there was much issue in heating up the tyres this, um, this, this race. Uh, as opposed to the the wet conditions in Hungary, but I think that I my crude knowledge of this, it consider like you have like a, a heavily cambered tire that would have more contact patch issues. So I'd have thought maybe that's similar with use of DAS, but I I, I, I have no idea on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say Red Bull have thought about using DAS, uh, perhaps bringing it in in the autumn, September or October, perhaps, and wow. we don't know how long the season will be, so. Is it worth it, especially if it's going to be banned next year? But I think Red Bull, they, they set up their car more for the race, knowing that in qualifying, the best they can get is, is third. So I think they've started, or definitely last year or even this year, they've set, they've set up the car so that it protects the tyres more and they have better race pace, which is why we see them closer to, to Mercedes. But also, I think what's, what's strange with Red Bull this year is in the past, I'd say 2016, 2017, 2018, their car was very stable and it was one of the best cars to, to drive. Whereas this year, it's kind of reversed and the car seems, still seems very difficult to drive, especially for, for our one, more so than, than Max. So, yeah, I think Red Bull might have... I do think something has gone wrong over, over winter because it's unusual for the car to still be so so uh, inconsistent so yeah yeah um speaking of red bull uh what do you guys think of alex albon's weekend then he he finished an eighth in the end um which i think isn't isn't the best he was um obviously penalized for his incident with kevin magnuson at the start of the race which put kevin magnuson out of out of contention because he was out um, do we do we have anything to say about Albon? We seem to every week speak about, sort of have a little groan about Albon um, and his his sort of chance and how he's thrown stuff away, but also how some of it's not him, how some of it is. Adam, what, what do you think? Do you have anything to say about his performance and what you think of the incident at the start? Yeah, I think up until this point, I've been kind of more protective or protecting 
you know, I didn't think he was yeah. doing that badly, and he was certainly doing a lot better than Gasly. I mean, he got Gasly kind of his results in Red Bull in 12 races were 1p4, 1p5, 3p6, a p7, 2p8, a p10, p11, and 2 DNF. And Albon's been kind of in and around the the fourth, fifth, sixth, and is two DNF, so when he's been yeah. fighting for a podium or a win. So I think up until this point, he'd been doing a lot better than Gasly had, and I think that was kind of, I, you know, I thought some of the criticism was a bit harsh in that he's coming up against Max Verstappen, who's obviously one of the best drivers in the world. But, yeah, this weekend isn't good, and I think the worry, the worry for me wouldn't be this weekend in isolation but it's just kind of the knock-on effect in that he wasn't you know he crashed in fp2 then he didn't get out for much running in fp3 so his confidence kind of didn't look to be there for qualifying and he qualified lowly and then he kind of had it all to do in the race and made a bad move on magnuson so for me you know the result's not great but i don't think kind of one result will sink his career but it's just kind of seems to be he seems to be trending in the wrong direction and kind of losing confidence and we've seen that with loads of red bull drivers kvyat kind of seems to be the one that springs most to mind in the way he kind of dropped off um so yeah it's not great i guess the he was promoted very early and i saw f1 put up a video on this with will books and lawrence barretto talking about it and the points they made were maybe red bull's kind of changing it up a bit and you know wanting him to give him the full season but yeah it, it's not a great weekend the only saving grace for him is that there's no one really pressuring him from the junior setup or no one who's not had a chance in Red Bull already yeah I think you've picked you summarized it quite well there it's a confidence really that that crash or not crash the mistake with Hamilton in the first race in Austria had he won that weekend his confidence would have gone sky high yeah. whereas now it just seems to be going downhill it's getting worse and worse like the crash in practice as he mentioned and then he was a little bit unlucky today because I think he was the first car to pit and then there was a safety car so then everyone else lost less time and he ended up at the back whereas if there wasn't a safety car he might have undercut quite a lot of drivers so yeah tough weekend it's just how can he bounce back will he be, be able to bounce back hopefully he can but yeah it's something he needs a really good result sooner rather rather than later i'd say i guess the good thing is he's got a bit of an opportunity if he does yeah. come back next week kind of having had all this trouble this week and then comes back on the same circuit and puts in a strong performance and even if he finishes you know, for, you know, I think that would be, that would be an improvement. And, you know, so if he does come back and have a good uh, weekend next weekend, that will kind of, that will really send a message to Red Bull and probably do him a lot of good, but also kind of show that he's still got it and he's still got that kind of mental toughness that he needs. It's a good opportunity for him to show Mark's improvement next week. Yeah. I think Christian Horner did say immediately on TV, well, not, yeah, after the race that, Albon's recovery drives were good in this race and so like yes he had to pit for vibrations at the start because of the incident with Magnussen but that was the what obviously wasn't wasn't known about until full speed um, racing and which is obviously why he didn't put under the safety car which then dropped him back 20 seconds off from everyone then he made that back up and unfortunately there was another safety car but he still made up positions then he had to pit again to the back and so with 20 laps to go at least 
um, maybe fewer. Um, I can't remember when he pitted. There was, he was dead plumb last, a good 10 seconds off the back of the grid of the pack. And he still brought it through from that. And that is, that is a positive. And that's what Alban needs to focus on is that bit of, yeah, you, you've got the men, he has the mental resilience in that kind of race situation to still come back, put on the pace. Yeah, he is on the medium tyres to bring it through and to achieve that result. And yeah. that's, that's, that is very good. Um, it it, it's it just, would have been... Yeah, go. Go on. Uh, no, you can finish off your, your point. It, yeah, I was just going to say, it would have been better if, if they could have pitted under the safety car with Magnussen, the Magnussen mm. incident, and then maybe made it a bit better. But either way, he, he was out of sequence. And if he wasn't out of sequence, he probably could have made up decent positions and probably could have been near the top similar position maybe to where Ricardo was at the end I'd say um, hunting down a, a podium what I would think. have been really interesting was if he had a normal qualified session so qualified 5th, 6th, 4th and then he say he's behind Max would he have been able to go with Max or would he have been fighting in the midfield because Red Bull today they could have say if Albon was up there they could have split the split the strategy Say Albon doesn't pit, and then with Hamilton's puncher, Albon goes on to win the race. But unfortunately, Albon's not in that position to take advantage of something like that, and Red Bull can't split their their strategic options. So, yeah, they, it would have been depending on who's ahead. Then they they would have left that person out. So say Max was ahead, and Max yeah. would have taken the win, and Albon would have got the fastest lap. Yeah, yeah that's the exactly. dream situation for that. Obviously, they couldn't do that, and mm. that's. That's what Alvin was brought in to do, was to be there yeah. to play the second fiddle, to do that just in case. So there's always that pressure on the top. And today was the best example of where it, where it was lacking. Yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. good point. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's the obligatory Alex Alvin chat sorted. Um, well, what, was it his fault, the incident, do you think? Because he got a five-second time penalty. Was it, does it deserve, do you think? Guys? I think it I think reminded me... Incident. I think it reminded me of some of his incidents with Lewis. Yeah, kind of, uh, you know, tempted poke or, you know, kind of one in, in roles reversed. So his kind of actions were Lewis's, but not a bit of a half-hearted, um, car, you know, car positioning and not really committing either way to, to the move or the or whatever. And then just, yeah, just catching the wheels. So I think given that Lewis has got the penalties for that and Albon's pushed, for Lewis to be given penalties for those incidents, um, I think it's yeah, it's, it's again it's the precedent and the precedent that's been set. I think it was a penalty. On the precedent, I agree. I think it's a penalty. On the incident, I don't know. It was Magnussen didn't know he was there, which is fair enough. But Albon had every right to go for the attack because of Magnussen's entry to the corner being completely wayward. Um, it was. I don't discourage Alvin going for the move. It's a shame that it came off how it did. Um, if Magnussen had seen him there, then it would have been probably a scuff at Lee only. Um, so I think I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think it's a racing incident, but predominantly so, in Alvin's favour of fault. But you know, then we're in a sticky territory. 
Um, yeah. But I do agree with you, Adam, that because of the five second, because of the incident with Hamilton and Albon, you, you live yeah. by the sword, you die by the sword, was the phrase you said for that. And if you're going to fight, if you're going to agree with Hamilton getting a penalty for that, which Albon is, presumably, um, then, <laughs> you know, he's, he, yeah. yeah. Reap what you sow. Yeah, you both summed it up well there. I, I didn't think Hamilton deserved a penalty in Austria. So in looking at the incident itself, I, don't, I wouldn't have given... Uh, I won a penalty, but like you guys have said, it's consistent. Lap one and a safety and car restart, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. I would, I would say, kind of the the rules are there to discourage different behaviour, and I feel like I don't want most of the time if you put your car in that position, it's going to end in at least contact, and so I feel like. I'd, I'd rather not see those kind of overtakes being gone for, really, where you're pretty half-hearted, not really. There's a low percentage chance of getting it and a high percentage chance of putting one or both of the cars down, especially with a gravel trap next to it. Yeah, I don't want to see DRS overtakes all the time. And when you've got a car in front of you and who has um, just like, he's a slow car, yes, but, you know, these, it's hard to pass when you're, stuck behind and in the early phases when you've got to get up as much as you can that's your mindset is you've got to get past and you can get the next guy and the next guy and if you know the guy in front of you goes off a bit he went wayward did Magnussen in the entry to club and and that's just like it's just you would go for the chance because yeah Alvin just he was just driving his, his race say and he had his he would have had his foot down anyway and it's just happened that his foot down allowed him to get past to past Magnussen, he's not going to lift off and not go for the move because that's even worse. Yeah, it's just the nature of open wheel racing. If, if it was touring cars or GTs, you know, they would have just made side-to-side contact and yeah. it'd be fine. But because the, because it's open wheels, you just made uh, front and rear tyre contact and then that happened. So I think it, yeah, I, I think he was, he was definitely right to try the move and Magnussen left enough space to just... It was just unlucky, really, just just like Austria with Hamilton and Albon. I think what made it more of an instant is because Albon did have to lift because it was such a tight corner, and that then that then created the contact wheel on wheel because Albon was further ahead than Magnussen's rear wheel to his front left, um, but because of the way that I think because I think because I think Magnussen really just didn't see him. I think based on how he was driving, because Magnussen knows to not do that. Even though he is, you know, he is a bit of an aggressive defender. He's not gonna. He is gonna at least leave a foot of room. Um, so, <laughs> is that it? <laughs> yeah, he'd leave a foot. Um, and and so I think that's just the reason why Album was just like, well, I've got to lift out of this, otherwise my suspension goes, and I'm just t-boning into the side of where of the monocoque where a person is. And that's not where he was thinking, but that's what would have happened. Um, so that's. That's what kind of then led to an instant and so on. That's the dissection of it from me. You're welcome. And it's just, I feel like, yeah, uh, erasing instant completely. I think that, yeah, I don't know. I think he just would have been, I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight, but yeah, yeah. even then, like, would he be better go looking bigger picture? Would, I, I mean, it might just be experience, you know, I don't know if Lewis would go for that or kind of some of the, I think every driver would have gone for it. I think personally. they would because he's gone off and he's given the chance for on a flat-out bit of track to the cars to get part, get to alongside. 
then but yeah, if it, if it was through Beckett's, then that would be entirely different. But it wasn't. It was through <laughs> the club where you're flat out. So I don't know. I think I'd look kind of bigger picture. Is what five? Was it fifth lap? Or you know, end of lap one. Was it? Yeah, it was end of lap one. The safety car came oh, in yeah. lap four. Yeah, it was. Um, okay, yeah, that's that was be what I'd noted down. But you know, it's kind of very early in the race. You gave Magnussen, who you know is an aggressive defender anyway. I feel like. I, I, just don't, there, I just don't think you think about. I don't think you think about who you're going up against. I mean, you see a Haas and you, or a car in front of you, and you could go, "Oh, it's a car. I can overtake this car. I'm going to overtake this car." If it's Magnussen in front of you, I mean, good on Magnussen for cultivating a fear of personality for him that no one's going to overtake him. But he hasn't won a race because of it, so no one. Mm. Not <laughs> no, but about five drivers on the grid have won. Six drivers on the grid have won won races. Yeah, well, 15 uh, have had a podium. 15 drivers. I find that amazing. Yeah, one that's them, really one them, ridiculous when you look at some of the drivers. Like, How, what? Yeah, Magnussen on his debut. Yeah. Podium. Um, so he knows what he's doing sometimes. Um, not, we're not in the Magnussen. <laughs> Unlike Grosjean. What? Yeah, let's get on to that. Yeah, cool. We're talking about, we're talking about racecraft and whether this is allowed or if this isn't allowed or if this is a penalty or this isn't a penalty. Roman Grosjean, director of the GPDA, was given a black and white flag <laughs> halfway through the race for unsportsmanlike conduct after some rather aggressive defence against Carlos Sainz and Daniel Ricciardo, to name two, um, and presumably a few more attempts we didn't see that were a little bit more sketchy, which is how Daniel Ricciardo described it. Um, what do you guys think of the Incidents, do you think Grosjean was just a bit desperate, Nigel? Nope, me. Uh, for me, that was pretty stupid, what he did. Because there one day, one day that, that type of move is going to end in an aeroplane, Mark Webber Valencia-style crash. Yeah. And I think we saw it with Luca Giotto in the F2 in Hungary. And he didn't get a penalty at all. And I think it didn't even get looked at. He did the same move going down to the four. He did this, and nothing happened. We saw it with Magnussen on Leclerc at Suzuka a couple of years ago. Verstappen has done it quite a few times, most famously at Spa in 2016 on the Ferrari on the Ferrari drivers. And for me, it's just reacting too late. And one day it's going to have huge implications, and I think there's going to be a massive accident. That, those are my thoughts. You might say, oh, he's just being aggressive, etc. But I think it, it's just one step too far for me. Yeah, no, he's just being aggressive and no, he's not really. It's stupid. <laughs> I think, to be honest, calling it stupid is pretty kind because if it's not stupid, <laughs> if it's not stupid then it's kind dangerous. of... Yeah, yeah it's dangerous. It's deliberately dangerous. And yeah. You know, I said I don't want to see the kind of moves that Albon makes where it sends a driver out, but that's low speed just sending him into the gravel trap. It's not, you know, if, as you say, if he collides there, then, you know, the cars are a passenger. They're going 200 mile an hour straight into a barrier at the end of the straight. And, yeah, yeah you know, if and if they stay on the ground, they're lucky. Um, so, yeah, it's really poor. And he kind of, he seemed to have grown out of the reputation he got at the very start of career of his career of being being dangerous to race against but this has kind of put him right back in there and yeah you know he's um chairman of the gtpa um and it's kind of not a good look for that 
either. <laughs> we're kind of, you know, the, in his position as elder statesman, is not great. Yeah, yeah. we it, um, just people call racing. We saw in practice this weekend at Stowe, Alex Albon having an absolutely ridiculously fast crash when he just got a swapper on through Stowe. He'd already braked and was already coming out the corner, and that was still a high-speed crash. If um, Grosjean's move on science was before the braking zone, yes, but it was so late because these cars break so late that if they had just had a slight tap, that could have been a kink and a flip for science who had DRS to have the lack of downforce from that. A kink, and he could have been rolling into the catch fence at Stowe at 200 miles an hour end of. We saw Brendan Hartley's crash in practice at Silverstone in 2018 where he didn't have the chance really to break because his suspension failed. And that, is, and that ruined his weekend. He wasn't able to qualify and then he wasn't able to race because the instance from that, but that's not the issue. The issue is, is that he basically flipped into the wall at the bottom of Brooklands. And that is just the examples of the high-speed crashes you can have at this track and how it bites and how it absolutely destroys anyone who has any yeah. accident there. And if you're going to defend by weaving at the end of the weaving essentially into a car. Ricardo, I don't know how Ricardo avoided contact with that. Um, but if they had touched, then that would have been both of them out of the race. And I don't know. I don't want to think about that. And that's just appalling driving, I think, from Grosjean. When, you, when it's so obvious, the, the crashes that the, you can have at these parts of the track. Grosjean's had a crash at Cops with Science in 2018. They came together because Grosjean got a little bit of oversteer. Yeah, that's fair enough. He got a little bit of oversteer but they both flew into the wall at Cops. And that's Cops, Stowe and Brooklands. And Immature driving. Kvyat's impact off Beckett, it completely broke. His, his front wing, it looked like it broke off. Where they attach it or um, unattach it at pit stops and whatever, it looked mm. like it just broke off at that. Yeah. His rear suspension collapsed from it and his, front, and his rear wing came off. And, you know, that was kind of going through a corner. And when he spun around, it will have scrubbed off some speed there. Um, so, yeah, as you say, it's just not, it's, it's not thinking at all about the consequences of your actions. And, yeah, it's just a appalling race. The Grosjean thing was, with this type of incident is that if they did make contact, Grosjean would have definitely got a penalty. But because they didn't, got a race got ban. A black and white. Yeah, mm. exactly. You've got a race ban for his incident in Spa in 2012 where he came across yeah. onto a car. Yeah, it was the start of the race, but he came across onto a car being Lewis Hamilton. Then Lewis then just had to catapult across, and we all know that, that ridiculous yeah. crash. At that, at that well, in, with that one, Lewis wasn't that as close. Sorry. Um, but with that, Lewis, he wasn't side by side, or he wasn't as close. It wasn't yeah, Grosjean just moved him. over into him because he just wasn't aware. But yeah, yeah, it's an entirely different kind of thing. But he got a race ban for that. Yeah. And if the Sorry, kind, of, kind of crash would get a race ban, uh, Nigel, you continue. Sorry, not, sorry. <laughs> right, this is a good, good conversation. If the stewards don't do anything now, then we're going to see something we all don't want to see. And people might, oh, people will overlook this. We'll forget about this incident uh, in a few days' time, probably. Yeah. But it's been coming really because since well, Schumacher and Senna, I guess, started it. But since Verstappen came back, the rest of the field has followed on to do this kind kind of defensive move. We see it quite a lot now. We, um, we saw in the F3 race this morning, Alex Smolia took his first win on the road and he was weaving around all on the track. And then F3 only came out with an announcement sort of halfway through the F1 race, actually, that Smolia got a five-second penalty for his weaving for AIT and dropped a six. So that gave David Beckman the win if you're following F3. Um, but So he got a penalty and he wasn't 
David Beckman only had an opportunity to overtake about twice, but he was yeah. just he was just weaving to break the toe, but he was still weaving across the track and making movements that he should have been making on the track, and he got a penalty. And that's the first penalty we've really seen for movements on the track. We had a lot of warnings. We've had we had a black and white, two black and white flags in today's race. There's one for Stroll as well late on for some of his um, defence on Ocon, I think. Um, and so that's it's its use is good, and I applaud Michael Massey for using that and basically saying to the drivers, "You're you're you're being ridiculous here, mate. Stop it." Um, or we're going to do something else. And to be fair, I didn't see an incident with Grosjean later on, but he did pit and put himself out of contention, to be fair. But um, that's worked. But, no, but think... we don't want to see the black and white flag for every every bit of incident because that will just make it illegitimate. Also, yeah, then, got... I'm, I'm, I'm shutting down. I'll be back in a sec. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll carry on. Uh, I think Grosjean got the black and white flag for his defence on, was it the, one of the McLarens? But then he went on to do it against yeah. Ricardo. So That's then, true, actually. I, I guess he didn't really learn, I guess, even though the team told him. But, yeah, for me, it, it will get overlooked. And I'm, I'm just worried about the way F1's going because, yeah, this kind of thing, is we see, we're seeing it more and more. And I'm just wondering, I mean, did, didn't they make a rule called the Max? The Verstappen rule. Yeah, kind of end of 2016. Out. So yeah. kind of around um, you talked about Spa 2016. There's yeah. the the shot I have in my mind, which I always think of when I think of this kind of thing, is Kimi Raikkonen closing down the Kemmel yeah. straight with DRS on Verstappen, and then Verstappen just kind of sort of eases in front of him, and Kimi Raikkonen has to lift off really, really a lot. And it's like I mean, Raikkonen was absolutely incensed at the end of that. And then later on, Verstappen kind of did it a bit, a few more times, and he did it on Hamilton in Suzuka, um, coming into the final chicane at Suzuka. And Hamilton was a bit, bit miffed at that move because Verstappen seemed to just sort of just easily put himself over in front of Hamilton, not really care. But they could. We've seen a lot of big accidents coming out of 130R and into that chicane from any contact because that's just the nature of Suzuka. So a rule was brought in to really clarify: you will get a penalty if you move under braking. And it was it was given to Sebastian Vettel of the Mexican Grand Prix um, when he had his massive rant rant at Charlie Whiting and the whole system there because Ricardo and Verstappen were ganging up on him there. And that was just a massive statement to say this is not what you do. This is not how you perform. This is not how you race. If you're going to be moving under braking, you're putting people at risk. And still we had all these incidents today yeah perfectly poor i couldn't, couldn't add uh, anymore i think i think the days of Riken and, and hamilton who are the cleanest drivers have, have gone I, I think and this, this newer generation is is yeah it might cause a few problems yeah so um the midfield was actually pretty interesting at the start of the race it was pretty it was where all the all the um action was and it was ridiculously congested you could see the whole sort of field down the down the the pit straight and and it came came to a fall really for Renault at the end we had Ricardo in fourth and Ocon in p6 um yeah a very good showing for them kind of what they needed is a sort of a headline result and I think I think Ocon once he got past Stroll had a very good weekend um 
comparatively to his previous ones, but Ricardo just being the class act that he is. What do you guys think, Adam? Yeah, I I really like Ocon. His story is just it, so he had his dad was a mechanic and his family didn't have much. It's quite similar to Lewis's, I think. Um, and they kind of I think they lived out of a motorhome for a lot of his racing career. Oh, wow. And he's you know just such. You, I really want him to do well, and um, it's a shame that he's not kind of done well so far but yeah this race was really good from him and he pulled some good moves around the outside um and yeah he dropped I think he dropped down to 11th after the second safety car so he kind of I think he made good progress in you know the start of the race and then dropped down and had to make it up again um and yes he got you know the fortune of gaining two places through Bottas and Science at the end but kind of well deserved for him so yeah that's that's kind of a good news story there um and ricardo does well he was close to leclerc but didn't i don't think he made a move um at the end and he was, no, he was two seconds off he, he was seconds off the battle. podium in the runner yeah it's pretty good and he was locked in and battle with the mclarens for a lot of it that was quite a good little scrap um through there so yeah it's really good um result for renault and yeah kind of rewarding their hard work and you know, it's just good that they're making progress and they've got some tangible, something tangible to hold up. Yeah, I think that's best, oh, sorry, but I, I think that's Ricardo's best result for Renault off the top of my it head. It matches it. Yeah, he got fourth in Monza yeah. last year. Right. Sorry, mm. Nigel. Sorry, I think one lap more and Ricardo would have caught Leclerc because he was catching him yeah, really second, quickly second, after yeah. the McLaren's. Yeah, so it was really encouraging weekend. For Renault, they've shown really good pace. In practice, I think they were messing about with trying to work out the upgrades they bought, uh, the setup as well, because the teams are seeing how much wing they could run, to, uh, because obviously you want to run as less as possible without uh, hurting, the, hurting the car in the corners. So, yeah, it's a breakthrough, hopefully, for them after a few tough weeks. Well, not tough weekends. I think they underperformed, whereas mm. this weekend... Much better, and hopefully, this is the start of something they can gain some momentum because they are, they are going, to, going to put some more money into Formula One. Yeah, um, they've got Alonso coming in next year, as we've talked about. But yeah, this weekend is, is there's there were some really, really good signs. Yeah, I think it really bodes well for next week because if the, Ricardo and Ocon were the prime examples of how to look after your tyres and make a late race charge, yeah, and if they can carry that well. Presumably they can carry that through to the softer compounds next week. A risk of yeah, we're speaking about tyres again, but you know, get with it. And um, that they could be ones to watch from lap forty-two next week. I think. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the, the Renault seems very good with its tyres. In fact, I'd say it's probably the best car out there with its tyres. So that could help. Especially with some tracks, Barcelona, that could be really hot there as well. That, That's true. Oh, yeah, uh, that'd that be boiling. With tyre wear. Yeah, Magello as well with the high speed. So, Renault could come into play and perhaps get a podium in the next few races. Magello is going to be a nightmare track for tyres. It's going to be yeah. fast, fast, fast corners every direction. Zandvoort would have been left. interesting this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If they did Zandvoort in the summer, oh, man, they would be... They'll be using that beach next door. Anyway, um, so yeah, um, we mentioned that Ricardo was fighting with the McLarens all race. We obviously already mentioned that Science was put out of contention uh, for points with his 
dramatic puncture in the closing stages. But Lando Norris came home in fifth place. Ten more points for for the young young man from wherever he's from, Glastonbury. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's probably all they could have hoped for. Fifth place worked out quite well. Yeah, they they would have hoped for the fourth place, but Ricardo was just coming really hard at the end. What what do you guys think of that? Yeah, I mean, there, there was a. <laughs> they, they, they were part of. Yeah. For a lot of the race, there was kind of a big train. I think there was. I don't know, it was like from 5th to 14th or something. There was a massive um, train of cars running within a second of each other for kind of a lot of the middle of the race. And they were in that. Um, and yeah, it kind of. It looked like they got the better of Ricardo and then he came back at them. And obviously at the end. Um, they lost it with science. Um, yeah, I mean, fourth, could they have got third? Probably not without kind of some more yeah. luck or, you know, getting, you know, it's four seconds the gap to, to show. So, uh, yeah, I think fourth is probably the best they could have got. But Ricardo probably deserved it, I think. Yeah, I think they'll be, they'll be kind of happy with this weekend. They, were, they brought some upgrades. I don't know if they would have thought they would have been a bit, more well, I don't know because Ferrari. Well, Leclerc was outstanding, wasn't he? So I don't know if that's an outlier for Ferrari and whether McLaren are actually better. And racing point for me, uh, underperformed. So yeah, McLaren they're in the mix, and I think they can definitely get another podium at some point this weekend, if not next week, because they definitely had the pace, and yeah, both drivers were, were doing all right. Yeah, that, that seems to be all there is to say about them. They they got there. They up until the end, they were on for a sort of solid third best team, definitely with only the might of Leclerc and the talent of that that guy really sort of putting yeah. them to bed. But without that, they were, you know, I think very very I think, very solid. Yeah, I think science has been unlucky this year, really, because in Austria he got. Uh, the wrong strategy and the safety car went the wrong way and stuff like that and then today he had the puncture so I think scientists are doing better than people think on the track so he can pick himself yeah, up but yeah definitely saw that yeah. last year he didn't get points until Baku last year yeah and Ooh, then came exactly. through to be the wonder kid that was Carlos Sainz's 2019 season I feel yeah. like he's got he's kind of been unlucky this season but he's probably a bit luckier last season yeah, um, with the trouble that Norris faced, and if Norris hadn't got, hadn't kind of had his problems, you know, he probably or he could have been more in the running for the Ferrari seat because he was kind of a name thrown around but never really in contention. But yeah, I feel like it's kind of it's evening out now, really, between them. And Norris has definitely stepped up as well this season. Yeah, and that's been such a common conversation with McLaren is the Norris's just step up and. Norris's change of mindset really this year. He would come out of a race last year and just dwell on all of the mistakes and dwell on the the, the, the fear of it. And I don't know whether it's the the closed races where it's giving him a sort of impression of a lack a lot less pressure, not a lack of pressure. There's obviously still the pressure to perform, but whether it's a lack of pressure because of the the closed event, I don't know whether that's a subconscious effect. It probably isn't because that sounds a bit bizarre now I say it out loud. But um, yeah, he he is performing really, really well. Second year in Formula One, science into what sixth year in Formula, sixth full year in Formula One, and he's he's being um, 
consistently matched with Lando Norris. Yeah, I think if there is another podium for McLaren, I think Norris would be the one to pick it up again. Totally agree with that. Well, I think I think both can get one. To be honest, yeah, fair I think enough. Both will. Yeah. Seventh place uh, today went to Pierre Gasly. Yay! I he's think been. It was a very good drive. Good. Yeah. Yeah, he's been doing well. He he's actually outperforming Alvin. He outqualified <laughs> him in Hungary. He outqualified him in Britain and finished ahead of him. Um. So yeah, he's been doing pretty well. He's done well since he went back to. Toro Rosso, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of just looks like that team suits him a lot better. I don't think he'll ever get another chance at Red Bull. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him because last season was clearly such a struggle for yeah. him. And yeah, he's, he's doing well and he's really extracting the maximum out of that car because it's probably not, you know, the seventh best car driver combo um, on the grid. But they, yeah, they're doing very well. Yeah, the the car weirdly seems more comfortable or easier to drive than the Red Bull does the does the Alpha yeah. Tauri. It seems to suit uh, Gasly's style, and he, he's really, really showing. He's really had some impressive performances this year. Today, again, picking up the pieces, picking up more points when uh, others had problems. So yeah, he's doing he's doing all the right things. His Gasly, and it's great to see to see him come back because I thought last year there was a chance that. Uh, being dropped by Red Bull might have deflated him and his F1 career could have been over quite quickly but he's pitched it up really well and that's that's really impressive from, from him uh, Yeah again just solid drive beneficiary of the um, having some good rubber at the end and being able to sort of survive and he finished a second and a bit up the road from Album, which is yeah I think I think he'll um, have a beer tonight and deserve it um then we uh, we go back and then we go down the grid and we move on to the enigma mm. that is the racing point formula one team mm. lots and lots of stories mm. with that team this weekend not least the um ninth place of lance stroll but also the shock return of nico hulkenberg to formula one only to not make the start what do you yeah. guys have to say on the Pink Panthers? Heartbreaking, really, for Hulkenberg to not start. Hopefully, he'll get a chance this weekend. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with Perez, of course. But I was surprised that Racing Point wasn't better. I, I was surprised that they didn't have the pace. I don't know if it's Stroll not getting the best out, of, getting the best out of the car, or are we expecting too much? Maybe, but for me. Yeah, I, I was surprised they only... What did he come again? Eighth or ninth? Ninth, yeah. I, I would have thought coming into the weekend they would have got a top five. So I, I was surprised that yeah, they didn't same. have the pace. Was it? They might have just got the setup wrong maybe this weekend and they'll bounce back uh, next weekend. So, yeah, I, they were the disappointment for me today. I think it was surprising that um, they were out-qualified by a Ferrari and a McLaren. Yeah, that's really surprised me. I for yeah. strong. I wasn't surprised with Hulkenberg's position. He obviously he's not been training with us at all. So yeah. yeah, give him his due. I think he was first of all he was the right choice. Kind of as the options they had. I think it would have been very interesting to see Van Dorn 
in the seat and see how he went. Obviously, he was racing in Formula E, um, so that was out in Gutierrez. I don't think anyone would have been excited to see there, him back. There was really. some there was some discussion on on um, Twitter around Thursday night when all of this kicked off, and um, people were sort of discussing, "Oh, what are the alternatives then?" Oh, Gutierrez, and then someone sort of put something forward saying, "Does Gutierrez actually have a super license?" And there seemed to be a kind of sort of discussion that he didn't have a super license. And right. I don't really know where that came from. I think there was, I, th- I think it is fine. I think there is some sort of clause that makes it fine and that he does have the correct license, but he hasn't tested open wheel machinery really since 2016, I think. He did, an, he did a Formula E race, I think, but yeah, got like a point and that was it. I don't think he's done the amount of testing that is required for the super license. He would have done a lot of work as Mercedes reserve driver. He would have done a lot of work on the simulator in Mercedes machinery, which yeah. is yeah. racing point is. So that, you yeah. know, I guess that would have stood him in good stead. But yeah, I thought Hulkenberg was the right choice. But I'm I'm still kind of not, and we've had this discussion debate before, I'm kind of still not convinced that racing point are kind of as fast in the race kind of as a team as their car over one lap suggests yeah i think there is kind of a difference between that and it's probably over their performance you know they were quickest in fp2 and they've kind of in the in a lot of the practice sessions over the season they've been you know kind of up there right up there but i'm not sure kind of in terms of race pace that they are i think they're more in the midfield fight especially with their drivers um so I think kind of if you add all of that in as a bundle, I think they're still kind of midfield team. But even having said that, ninth really kind of isn't a great result for them. Hulkenberg not even making it to the start isn't great either. That's yeah, I don't, I don't think Stroll had a good race. He, he was no. quite good in Hungary last time, but for me, he could have made overtake. He should have. I just feel other drivers would have been able to make some overtakes, which he wasn't able to do. And I don't think he managed his tyres very well because obviously everyone was on the hard tyres for, what, 40 laps. Mm. I don't think Stroll got the best out of them. So it is hard to say whether it's the drivers lessing them down or is it the car isn't as good as, as what I think, at least. So, yeah, it's a tough one for racing point. And, yeah, it's just for Hulkenberg, it's just... So so disappointing, really. And, and he actually he showed good pace in practice and, and qualified, I mm. thought. He was stepping it up and getting better and better each session. I think in the early qualifying yeah. runs, he was matching Stroll pretty much to within a tenth. And that's ridiculous to step into a car you haven't been training for for however long. Yes, he's missed only three races, but he's missed the, the absolute brute training that these guys would have been doing in lockdown because they're bored. He wasn't doing it. Because he wasn't bored, I don't know. Um, but yeah, Hulkenberg came in and did really well, and it's a bit of a shame he didn't start the race. But I, yeah, I do think he will be racing next week based on the the, the laws in the UK, the ten days quarantine period from from the the Thursday and the final test being announced positive on the Friday morning. Uh, sorry, the Thursday afternoon. That that brings itself to the Sunday anyway. So he's not going to be racing Perez. Hulkenberg will be in that seat. I'm. I'm so ninety well, ninety nine percent sure. Yeah, the only thing I want to say is that well, racing point all because it's F one and it's not 
like a normal person would would be some kind of exemption, maybe it will only be seven days. I think you're right. It should be. I think Hulkenberg should race this weekend, not Perez, just to be on the safe side. Because yeah, and maybe we can talk about this in the next episode. But I think what Perez did was a bit was a bit silly. Yeah. <laughs> if what if the reports are right, I think on just on the Perez thing, I did hear. I did hear kind of some noises coming from Racing Point that maybe he would be able to race next week, but I don't yeah, know. I, heard I don't know kind well, of what it, that was actually based off. Um, so yeah, and also, I think if seemed, he does win, oh sorry, that seemed know. to me to come from a bit of um, just old information where, like, I'm I'm pretty sure it was mandated by law that like you had to self-isolate for seven days. Definitely. It was recommended 14 days in the UK. I think it was getting too political, but on the Thursday, on the Thursday, it was announced that had been extended to 10 and whether the information to that wasn't like, um, relayed properly. I don't know. It's just kind of like, cause they're obviously involved in their own massive situation. They're not going to check for the news or anything. So, which yeah. 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 And, um, but yeah, that's the, I think he's, they, they, they were very clear on the yeah. Thursday and Friday that it's up to, you know, Formula One organising it with the UK government. The UK government have put out a, a, a ruling saying it's 10 days. It will be 10 days then, surely. Otherwise, it's just stupid. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, they've got to put in the right examples. I mean, there were, Boris Johnson said, let's get Formula One. We need to get Formula One. And that's why this British Grand Prix is happening. And that's why there's been an exemption for the uh, periods of um, the... the the quarantine periods coming into the country and all of that um, for the Formula One, and that's brilliant. Um, but also the best example to make is to make them quarantine for the right amount of time if they get it. And that's what's going to happen politically as well as sensibly. I think Nico Hulkenberg will, if he races next weekend, he will score points. I'm going to put that out there because I think... If he starts... He Whoa, Adam, you're getting way too... Silverstone to preview here. If he can get onto the grid, yeah. Then, but, um, yeah, but you know, he, he definitely was trending in the right direction. But like yeah, definitely. you said on Perez, I don't. I feel kind of. In one way, I feel bad because if his mum was in like Buckinghamshire or France, would he he would have been allowed to go and see her, and it would have been fine. And it's kind of a very emotional thing to have you know your mum in trouble and in hospital, whatever. But on the flip side it wasn't in Buckinghamshire or France and he Mexico. did kind of go, go to one of the COVID hotspots um, huh. to visit her. So yeah, it's, it's a really emotional situation for him, which is kind of why I feel bad criticising him for it. But, you know, if you talk, if you talk filters with fans, yeah, I don't that. feel bad for him. If, he, yeah. if that's what he did. You went to a holiday resort, didn't you? Yeah. He why. went to a restaurant. I, believe and he didn't have a mask he took photos with fans and for me yeah if you're as a multi-millionaire sportsman you should be more responsible and you know you should put your career first yeah i think that was just completely stupid and seems to be a big lack of if that's true a big lack of understanding we've seen this um in between the austria race and in between the austria and hungary race but bottas and and leclerc going back to monaco norris that's worse that is worse really Um, look, Norris went back to the UK for um, back treatment, but that was all mandated by McLaren, which was different, I think, because that was mandated by McLaren for the physiotherapy. Um, Bottas and Leclerc went back, and Perez then all went to different places in the gaps 
which were and were a bit. I mean, Bottas and Leclerc did it well in that they went there and they had their COVID tests at home and everything. Well, Leclerc had a met up with friends though, which is I did, a, yeah. I've, I think Leclerc I did not know has, that. has got away with it big time. Yeah, because really, what, what he did was worse than what Perez did, in, in my opinion, and I it's a massive wake up call. Again, with the politics, the Monaco situation is interesting because in France, the lockdown is technically lifted. So I don't know how that extends into Monaco, but presumably pretty similar because, you know, they're able to film that weird um, grand rendezvous, whatever it was, with Charles Leclerc in the lockdown with him driving a Ferrari around Monaco for some reason. They're able to film that way before the majority of places. So things in Monaco are good COVID-wise. Yeah. So it's I mean, different with that, in that they're allowed to have those kind of get-togethers in the country. In the yeah. Obviously, it's bad it's for... Very political. But for Perez, you know, having COVID is such a bad thing and we yeah. all can't... You know, we hope he gets better finally out of full recovery. <laughs> yeah, we should have said that, that. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess for F1 and for kind of sending the warning out, this is the first time that it has that you know people have broken the rules and had a positive covid test and i think a lot of the drivers will kind of change their views on it and or kind of actions on it because for perez this is you know he's fighting for a seat next year and we've discussed a lot about that about whether he'll stay or not but you know he's his seat is on the line and he's a, a track where they were predicted to go well at and he's lost two weekends from that so, you know, that's that's big. That could be, you know, 20-ish points if he got in the top five. And he's kind of throwing that all away. So it will be a wake-up call for all the drivers, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, we obviously, as Adam's touched on there, we do wish Sergio Perez the absolute best. And also his family, who've presumably gone to similar places as him, we wish them the best as well. We don't know anything that's happened to them. But, yeah, if there's any bad things for any of them we wish them all the absolute best and pray for a speedy recovery for them um yes moving on then um to sebastian vettel who rounded out the points in what was an absolutely dire weekend for poor seb um just didn't have the pace and didn't have the practice time and i don't think that really led to him not having the pace i just think he was just slow yeah it's a bit similar to the to Red Bull, so Vettel's like Albon, Leclerc's like Verstappen. Uh, Leclerc seems to handle the Ferrari much better because the Ferrari looked atrocious in practice. It was horrible to drive, and Vettel, it doesn't seem to suit Vettel's style. And yeah, he wasn't. We hardly saw. Yeah, we hardly saw him in the race, and he really, really, really struggled. And whether you can turn it around, I'm not sure. So, yeah, really bad weekend. I thought he, up until across Styria and Hungary, I thought he kind of had two decent races or kind of his stock had risen a bit because yeah. within Ferrari, Leclerc took most or all of the blame and the flak for the incident um, that took them both out at Styria. And then... Leclerc kind of combusted in Hungary and just couldn't get any pace out of the car. And Vettel brought it home in sixth, which was very good. And yeah, it's it's not. It he just didn't have the pace. It's 
like you said, it, it's kind of simple. And there are a few drivers who had pretty poor weekends and just, you know, didn't show much, but he's definitely up there. Um, it'll be whether he can bounce back. He, he won two years ago. That's kind yeah. of the crazy thing. It's That's how much race. he's changed. That he won two years ago. And yeah, now he's kind of intense and will he do better next weekend? There's not many signs to suggest that he will. Yeah, basically just not good. I think it was compounded by Leclerc having one of the best drives of the year so far to get to lug that Ferrari up there um, to the hefty heights of P3, which was absolutely fantastic for him. It was such a good drive for Leclerc. And that just, even Vettel just didn't, wasn't even in the middle ground of that Ferrari performance. He was at the absolutely other extremity of poor. And to get one point again, for Vettel, he got one point in the first race, one point in this race. Um, I, I don't know if he, if he if he's even really running, if he's running the top four at all. It was he ran in fifth in Hungary for a bit, but that was it. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. he probably should have got. He made a mistake at the end in Hungary, but he was on for fifth there and kind of looked like he would have deserved it. And yeah, Le, Leclerc got two podiums, but both of them have been from. The fact that in his good races, the kind of they, the leaders have messed up. So, you know, there is kind of, if, if Vettel had had the same fortune at Hungary, you know, it could have been different. He could have been fourth or third, but he wasn't. And yeah, it's, it, no. Leclerc seems to definitely be the dominant driver at the moment. Well, Ferrari were lapped in Hungary, weren't they? So <laughs> I don't know if it would have even mattered a lot. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Leclerc was given a bad strategy in Hungary as well, important to the soft tyres. We talked about that in our Hungary podcast, which you can watch after this one. Uh, so yeah, so so yeah, um, yeah, it's just it's a long road for Ferrari, it's a sad road for Ferrari, but you know, John Elkins, right? (laughs) They can they can win in 2022. I don't know about you guys. I don't have any plans for 2022 yet, but watching Ferrari win might be one of them. So, yeah. Cool. Um, If we go, now we go out of the points, really, and I'll just sort of run through the results. We've got Valtteri Bottas in 11th. We've got George Russell in 12th. Um, Carlos Sainz has a recovery to 13th. Antonio Giovinazzi in 14th. Nicholas Latifi in 15th. The um, end of Roman Grosjean's race was... In 16th, and Kimi Raikkonen, who had front wing issues, really on like really close to the end, and finished the last one on the road in 17th. Um, yeah, anything to add on any of those guys? Um, decent performance from Russell, I think. 12th. I mean, it's, he's still behind Bottas. He could have been 11th if Bottas's puncture was a little bit worse. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much worse Bottas's puncture could have been. Really, yeah. I mean, it could have happened 200 meters back, or it could have shredded. But it was kind of for a puncture, it was pretty bad. But yeah, I, I didn't really see. He didn't really seem to pop up on the TV much. Um, I didn't really see much of his race that I can remember. But yeah, you know, twelfth is better than nineteenth, which is where he was running around last season. Twelfth from twentieth, I think, is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, he beat beat Latifi again, of course. So that's all he can do, really. Just just a question of whether not by much get a point. Yeah, he not was, he was two or three seconds up, this two or three seconds up the road. 
was Russell yeah. on Latifi. And I think that's brilliant for Latifi. When we, we've looked at um, Russell as this absolutely shining beacon of talent stuck in a poor car, and Latifi's been quite quite negated in, in perception. But, you know, to finish that close to Russell, and he was shown on the world feed doing an overtake around Kimi Raikkonen. Um, a champion, a world champion. World champion, Kimi Raikkonen, in the supreme Alfa Romeo. Um, then, yeah, it has been a good weekend for Latifi. You're right. I cut you off I mean, a bit there, Nigel. If we extrapolate, oh, sorry. If we extrapolate Russell uh, 20th to 12th, if he, he qualified in 15th, so if he'd started there, he would have finished 7th. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I think for Williams, he would have been tapped out by Alvin at the start. <laughs> yeah, I think for Williams, if you compare it to this time last year, it's a massive, massive improvement. Mm-hmm. So that that's a big thing for them, I guess. And I'm hopeful that Russell and Latifi can get some points this year. Yeah, yeah. So am I. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's only really a matter of time. I think for them to get points. Mm-hmm. They're putting in yeah, tidy like, races. The, the with Alpha and Haas now, I think, whereas last year they were in their own, mm. well, for the autos were, but now they see with Alpha and Haas and with with the weird race a bit like today, they, they can definitely nick the points somewhere. I don't see them. I just feel like there's been several weird races where they've not... I don't know. I just... I, just, I don't feel that confident that they will get points because they don't look kind of in pace there with Alpha and Haas but in race pace I'm not sure I think their qualifying trim is a lot better than their race pace I kind of don't back the Williams setup um, kind of team strategy whatever to take Mm. advantage of kind of crazy situations in the same way that I would for other teams I feel like could be another unlucky year for George Russell I think this is, race was actually a pretty perfect example of what you're saying there, Adam. You've got Haas left Grosjean out in fifth place to see what could happen. I mean, it was a bit redundant in the end, but they, they tried something different, even with one car only left in the race. Williams had two cars in the race. They probably could have done something a bit more avant-garde and gone for it maybe in, in future. Would you, think, would you think that would be a better idea for Williams? Well, the prime example is Germany last year where they kind of they had the chance to kind of risk it on the strategy, and was it clear that Kvyat that they were running with, or or Kvyat and Stroll? They were close to Stroll, and Stroll finished fourth. Yeah. Stroll also led so, a lap. So they were kind of in that group, and they didn't risk the strategy at yeah. all. And they Kubica got a point because of the Alphas penalties for um, attractions, yeah. But it, you know, it wasn't that's just the kind of thing that I feel like and yeah like I mean I didn't really understand why Grosjean didn't pit I don't know whether it was just to give them more you know exposure in the midfield or whatever or yeah just to see what would happen because if they did pit then they'd be you know kind of mired and have no chance but yeah I just feel like Williams don't like you said it seemed a pretty perfect example that they're not risking things on strategy and I don't think they're going to score points on pure pace yeah so we just want to um close off the podcast with giving a bit of time to the diversity situation in Formula One. Obviously, this is the the um, second race that they've properly done something where they get the drivers to the front of the grid, the first being Austria at the start of the year. And I just want to see what you guys think. I think it's a very good thing they've actually 
dedicated some time to it. They've noticed the the outcry at how ridiculously it was dealt with at the steering Grand Prix and how much of a mess it was in Hungary. And they've actually made a, a, an opportunity for the drivers to stand and to show their appreciation to end racism in all forms across um, the world. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you have anything to say on this, Nigel? Uh, yeah, I mean, what you said is a much better job. Hopefully, we get to see this every weekend. It was, I will say, it's interesting. Magnussen has been taking the knee, but he didn't today. I don't know why. That's something I saw. Uh, but yeah, overall, it was, you know, they dedicated some time, which was exactly the right thing to do. Better late than, than never, I guess. Uh, mm. But yeah, a, a much better job from, from F1. Yeah, I think it's important that this isn't kind of the end of their end racism stuff that they don't kind of you know say oh well we've taken the knee now and done that and move on um it needs to kind of be the start of kind of actual meaningful change to the sport that makes it more diverse but it's good that they got it organized and got it together and devoted some time and effort to it and you know can't knock them for that so yeah i'm glad to see the uh Glad to see the change, but it has to be the start of the change, not the end. Yeah, completely. And we can wax lyrical about um, the different positions that drivers have taken and uh, how some are, you know, taking the knee, some quite pointedly aren't. Um, yeah, but yeah, and it's 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 a really difficult situation to talk about. But the, yeah, I think Formula One has finally really realised that, you know, this isn't an issue we can put on as a PR exercise. This is an issue that needs to be properly tackled head on. We need to fight racism, not just say we stand against racism. Which seemed, and I think, to be honest, to Formula One, there, there was a lot of criticism in the past few weeks, but the majority of the organisations that put out all of their statements um, at the end of May and June to, to um, stand with the, the Black Lives Matter movement and all of the, um, the protests that were going on around the world that still are going on around the world. Um, a lot of that has just dried up and that just became a PR exercise. Whereas with Formula One, they have actually, they've launched the Re-Race of One as Ron Initiative and they have taken a lot of steps and there's the Hamilton Commission as well and there is diversity programs being set up and so on so Formula One on the face of it has done more than most but there's still so much more to do they're on they're on television around the world every week um, Friday to Sunday and then all over social media it's, it's one of the biggest uh, sports in the world and they are doing something about it and the statement is huge so i think yeah well done formula one um formula one also in the pre-grid procedure gave some time to say thank you to the nhs uh the health services that have helped and all the key workers that have helped um fight the covid19 pandemic that has obviously been horrible for the entire world and i think uh, again well done that is a very good message to put out there the spitfire flyover saying thank you nhs on the bottom of it the entire grid clapping is was an incredible sight to see i think and it really that shows that they are you know there is an understanding 
of what to do, what we should be thankful for, how we should live and how we should be. And it was, I think, the pre-grid procedures today in Formula One were very good. And I think they should carry over, particularly with the racism stuff, and they should thank key workers all around the world. And I think that's what today was for, was to thank everyone who has um, put their life on the line to help the lives of others. And that's been fantastic from the world this year. I, I speak for both of you and I say um, it's fantastic what people have done. And we also stand with Formula One and are against racism and support all of the key workers and everything that Formula One is standing for, we also support. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's it then for us this week uh, for the Silverstone edition of the Winging It F1 podcast. We're back uh, later in the week. We're going to do a Formula E preview podcast for the Formula E season, which kicks off this week. So we're going to be doing that. We're going to have our 70th anniversary Grand Prix preview as well for next week's race at Silverstone. So, yeah, we'll be back then for all of that. And we hope to see you then. You, in the meantime, you can listen to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Acast. You can watch it on YouTube. And you can follow us on Twitter at F one You can follow us personally on Twitter. I'm Fred Coates, 1999. I'm at Adam Dickinson, 01. And I am at Nigel C. But you probably already knew that. Yes, we have said this a lot. And it's in our... We're going to keep saying right. it. We're going to keep saying it. I have still not got a million followers, so <laughs> this this is the time. Um, yeah, thanks everyone for watching and listening. We hope you have an excellent week and see you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>